You are listening to a podcast from The National. Among the millions of Muslims performing Hajj this year are 200 relatives and survivors of the Christchurch attack. For them, this pilgrimage not only holds a religious significance, but also provides a deep sense of catharsis in memory of the loved ones who were gunned down. This is Beyond the Headlines, and today we're talking to a relative of one of the Christchurch victims who, among many others, has been given the opportunity to take part in the Hajj by King Salman of Saudi Arabia. It means a lot. And for my mum and dad, seeing their daughter be able to go, like my mum, when I left her, she was crying of happiness. You know, I told my mum, please don't cry. And she's like, no, 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 I'm crying from happiness. I'm so happy that you're going. So happy that you get to go through this experience. The Hajj is one of the five fundamental duties of Islam, and every year millions of Muslims descend on Makkah in Saudi Arabia to perform this pilgrimage. It's a religious requirement to be completed once in a lifetime by every Muslim who is physically and financially able to do so. A five-day affair, it takes place in the Islamic month of Zilhajjah. Most Muslims save money to be able to make the pilgrimage, with some in the poorer countries often spending a lifetime saving to do so. For Muslims, the importance of Hajj cannot be understated. It holds a deep historical and spiritual significance. So I didn't know whether I was on the left or not on the left or whether I was going or weren't going. And they, they released the ticket. So I got the phone call at nine in the morning saying, you're traveling nine at night. On March 15, 2019, a white supremacist entered two mosques in New Zealand and shot indiscriminately at the people inside, killing 51. One of those people who died was Hussain al-Umari. His sister is one of the 200 people performing Hajj. We spoke to Aya about this trip and what it means for her in the wake of her brother's death. When I did the Umrah for my brother, I decided that now I'm here, I'm doing one for me and one on behalf of my brother. Honestly, the time that I did it for my brother, I had this sense that he was he was accompanying me. So I'll give you an example. So when I did my Umrah, I did it in, because you have to go around the Kaaba seven times. So I did it on the ground floor. But when I did my brother's one, it was so busy on the ground floor, I had to do it on the top floor. And when you do it on the top floor, the circumference gets bigger and bigger. The more floors you go up, the more the circumference goes, goes bigger. So a one round would be like three times the distance. I felt like my brother was telling me, you need to go for a walk. You need to, because he loved walking and exercising in his lifetime. He would walk seven kilometers from his house to my parents' house every day almost. I don't know. I, just, I, I felt like he was, he, he has his own ways of, of teasing me from up there, you know, saying, well, you're going for a long walk for me now because that's how I would have done it. It was very emotional. So it was happy, but Dad at the same time. It was a different feeling. When I was doing it for him, I felt very, like a part of me was was missing, but a part of me is just filled with tranquility and peace 
for Hussein because I'm doing this for Hussein as well. And it was quite sad actually when when I completed it. It's like, oh no, you know, like I want this to go on. And Umrah is considered a smaller version of the Hajj, which can be completed at any time of the year. And many people coming to complete the Hajj sometimes start with one or multiple Umrahs, dedicating them to people who are unable to make the trip. Often they're dedicated to people who have passed away. Me and my brother, like me and my family, we came to Saudi around the 2000s. We did the Umrah. Um, so me and my, my brother and mom and dad, we did that. I only remember the Kaaba itself from that time, but the rest of the things, like everything is changed. When Muslims pray, wherever they are in the world, they face the Kaaba. The building, often draped in a black cloth, holds a deeply spiritual significance for Muslims around the world. As pilgrims approach the building for the first time, it isn't unusual to see them become overwhelmed with emotion. The first time, I do remember the first time I saw it, when I came this time, it actually took me by surprise. So, And I'll explain why. My head was set to go and do the rounds on the ground floor. And so I was very focused on finding my way around. I was navigating my way through after the hood prayer. It was very, very busy. And I remember thinking, I stood in one place and I looked right and left trying to figure out where I'm going. And it was right in front of me. And the second I saw it, I was like, whoa. It's, I, I don't know, it just took me by surprise. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. Um, you know, like I made it. It, it, was, it was so... Over the moon. I was very, very over the moon when I when I just stood there and it was right in front of me. It was I don't know. It gave me this this like goosebumps and it was yeah. It was phenomenal is the right word when I first saw it. The Hajj is not easy. It requires a lot of physical stamina, especially in the heat of the Saudi summer. It requires patience and discipline, and the rewards are that you get close not only to God but also to fellow Muslims who come from different ethnicities across the world. In terms of physically, yes, it is tiring. And I, I, I think I'm going to sleep for maybe uh, another like week when I return to Christchurch. But for the meantime, when I'm here, there is adrenaline is, is pumping through. And the second I remember why I'm here, I just get this energy to carry on. Uh, mentally, I'm expecting to be much more... It's peace uh, when I come back to crisis. Less, less tension, less tense, because I, I got a lot of anxiety after this experience. But um, and I'm, I'm a very also. There's one thing I found. I found when I'm in a group of people and I don't know anyone, I, I get really, I don't know, I just get really anxiety. But here, it's, it's, it's gone. There's no social anxiety at all. It just feels like family. For Aya, the trip has been made easier by the hospitality of the people in Saudi Arabia. This hospitality has a long tradition dating back to the times when people in Mecca used to open their house to the pilgrims who were visiting the city before big hotels were available to the visitors. Balkis Basalom from the National was a child growing up in Mecca in the 90s and recalls the memories of a family opening their home to people coming from all over the world to complete their Hajj. Uh, I remember when I was a child, we were over and over told that 
these are guests of Allah, you have to serve them, you have to offer them the best hospitality you can give them. For instance, these hajjij would stay over at my grandparents. My grandfather would always tell me, don't enter the lift first till they enter first. Don't use the stairs till they use the stairs first. If we're cooking some something, he would force me to take of whatever we cooked and offer something for them. It was it was very common for them to open their doors for the pilgrims. Uh, and people, when, we, when they used to do that, they won't leave the house. So let's say the house is five floors. They would empty four floors and all of them would stay just in one floor or even empty the five floors and stay on the roof. Some would build up a tent on the roof and sleep there for the whole season. So this trace back to prayer even of the start of the Islam when pilgrims used to come to Mecca. It's part of the tradition of Meccan people to open and offer everything they have to the pilgrims. So that was part of it. And even now when when the, ha- the hajjis stop staying at their houses and they just stay at the hotel, still people of Mecca try to offer their best. You find people uh, giving out food, giving out candies. You find people just go to the hotels and, and give flowers to those hajis who are coming. Like It's part of, of who we are in Mecca to try and serve the pilgrims the best we can. Bilkis recalls how early on as a child, she got a sense of kinship in the sea of diversity that is Mecca. My most profound memory of Hajj, when we were in the car, driving to the holy sites, we would recite which is a special prayer for uh, for Hajj, which translates to, we answer you God, we answer you God. So you would be saying that and then you stop your car and get out of the car and your voice mixed with thousands of people saying the same words and that was such a beautiful experience that We might all come from different places, but we're repeating the same thing and we're praying for the same God in the same place in the same day. For Aya, this hospitality has helped ease her journey. The hospitality of the Saudi people is fantastic. It just feels like you're at home, honestly. Like when I when I got lost, I got lost yesterday and I caught the wrong bus and I ended up in the middle of, like I didn't know where I was and so I just, some random person and asked and he pointed me to a local person and the local person pointed me to a cop and everybody was just wanting to make sure that I get safely back to the hotel and not only that but like you know um, the hotel staff and any interactions I had so far in the airport was just so so welcoming. A large focus of Aya's trip outside of her religious duties is obviously taken up by thoughts of her brother Hussein. My mom couldn't come just for a health reason. I'm in contact with them every day because I didn't tell them when I was starting the Umrah for Hussein, but I told them when I finished it. So that was quite nice. It was very overwhelming with emotions. And um, they, they already know, but I, I, I do say to them that I've I'm, I'm been praying for you a lot. Uh, but inside, we, we know. <laughs> I took his picture with me, and I have been... Um, I've been, at, at each point, I've taken his picture at, like, let's say, the starting point, which is the Kaaba. So I took his picture at the starting point. I'm like, right, we're starting this thing. And then when we finished it, and then I sent it to my, um, like, I sent them in, in order to my to my parents, just so, just so they get the, the, the feeling that, um, that I was trying to portray the same feeling to my parents, that it felt his presence was with me. The Hajj offers people the chance to pray at the very epicenter of Islam, 
Muslims who attend the Hajj usually do so with a particular prayer in mind, and many friends and families will request prayers to be made in their name when people are heading to Makkah. So the the main ones is really for mum and dad to give them patience to bless my mum. I want um, I'm asking for God to bless mum and dad with patience uh, to carry through because I can I can see their pain every day ever since the fifteenth of March. That's that's how I start my prayer is to live through uh, remaining time in this world. Um, and then uh, the and then I, I move on to me. So forgive any sins that I have committed and make me, uh, you know bless me with 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 future uh, a bright future, a bright career. I actually have been given a list of prayers that my friends wanted me to say on their behalf. So another thing that I'm really concentrating on is to bless all of the families of the injured. And uh, next of kin with patience to go through the the next year of trial for God to give us justice in what's going to happen next year, uh, next year with the trial. For Aya, her personal prayers are inspired largely by her elder brother. I ask God to bless us with um, good deeds now and a good uh, deed in the afterlife. So my, one of my brother's favorite verses is, Rab, uh, I'll say it in Arabic, uh, which means God please build for me a house in heaven and that's one thing I've been saying over and over and over again as well I want a house for me and my family in heaven so that we can join my brother as well Thank you to our contributors this week, Aya Al-Umari and Balkis Basalong. To read more about Hajj, go to our website, thenational.ae. For more from Beyond the Headlines, please subscribe. This week's Beyond the Headlines was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Sohail Akram. <laughs>